Welcome to Ben and Jeremy's, Ohio's Finest Podcast. This week we're joined by special guest Connor Pintella. It's his second appearance on the show, and he's here to talk all Cleveland Browns. He's obviously the most unbiased, completely neutral Browns fan that we know. So we're excited to hear his take on the start of the season, Baker Mayfield, and where he sees this team going in the future. We hope you enjoy. All right, I'll, we'll just get right into it. Jeremy is wearing a Baker Mayfield jersey. Um, the Browns, I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to, if, if something catastrophic happens, I don't want to be to blame. So I'll knock on wood. The Browns are a playoff team. Um, I'm going to guarantee it because it's a pretty easy guarantee. But this is the first time since I believe, Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but 04. Um, I was just talking to Jeremy. We live in a little bit of a bizarro world. Because this is the first year the Patriots aren't going to have a 10-win season since 2002. The Browns are in the playoffs. They looked really good. Like, best, better than I've seen any team play in the first half of uh, uh, against Tennessee. They were incredible. Now, I, I want – Connor, I want your thoughts. One, kind of your thoughts overall. And then, two, I want to know a little bit of the dangers of the Browns. Because, like I said, it was the first half where they played – unreal and then the second half they didn't play as good they didn't play bad but or maybe they did play bad considering how many points they let up and all that but just give me your overall thoughts and then kind of break down last game because I think we saw the good Browns and the bad Browns well I guess you know overall thoughts you want my thoughts on you know how we are looking for the rest of the season going into the playoffs or just the last game because I'd be happy to do both both well, let's see. The last four weeks, you know, I think my prediction was either 11 and five or 12 and four. You know, it was pretty, especially 12 and four, you know, that's a little, uh, you know, it was a little bold at the beginning, but, you know, I was pretty confident in the team overall, you know, especially we were sticking true to our guns, you know, our running attack. Uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, you know, is showing his top five back in the league. And Cream Hunt stepped up to the occasion, you know, when he was out. So, you know, I personally think we're going to be coming to Cleveland and, you know, we're going to be taking this game from Baltimore Monday. Because they're trending down, no doubt, while we're trending up. You know, I know they got their, you know, their win last game, but it really wasn't, you know, that pretty. So I think we're going to come into, you know, this next game. We're going to win. Maybe not decisively. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. Um, and I, I really think that we're going to take both those games in New York. Now, I'm really pumped that we uh, also got that primetime game, you know, flex into uh, Sunday night, which is going to be pretty awesome. And, yeah, it's crazy because 49ers in Dallas early on, you know, the – I think I said Dallas was my pick to go to the NFC Championship with Seattle. Seattle still, you know, has a chance, but their defense is just – their defense is a total liability. Um, but, yeah, so I think that we, we win the next three games, and that's going to make that Steelers game, you know, really meaningful. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to be fighting for the one seed still with Kansas City, so they're going to be coming in almost with a chip on their shoulder, you know, especially we're going to be coming in really hot. I mean, shit, I, we've won every single game second half of the season so far. Um, you know, and we really, I think, put it all together for really one of the first times all season against a quality opponent uh, in Tennessee. You know, the first half, we just we were firing on all cylinders. You know, Baker, he had you know, four passing touchdowns in the first half, and he should have had five. I mean, down was Jones. There's a strike right across the middle right to him, and he just unfortunately dropped it. But, you know, if Baker can play like that or even just, you know, a glimmer of that here and there I mean he was just on the money like constantly and I think his pass rating was like 140 or something like that for the game I mean he was just looking so good 
So, and again, the second half, you know, we kind of took the foot off the gas and only had three points, but we got away with the dubs. You know, that's really all that matters. So, you know, I think we should just stick to our guns a little bit more. You know, even when we're up, we should still pass the ball because when we're up, you know, teams are going to be looking for us to oh, – go find my charge really quick. Uh, teams are going to be looking for us to run the ball when we're up especially. So, you know, I think that we should really utilize the play action more when we're up like that. But, you know, I, you know, I can't complain with, you know, how it went overall. I mean, we won. So, uh, but, yeah, no, man, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good feeling, you know, actually watching these games and seeing drives we put together resulting in scores versus just three and out, three and out. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very good feeling. So I'm I'm very bullish on the rest of the season. We're going to be going to the playoffs probably as the five seed. Um, maybe something will happen where we slide to the six, but I really think we're going to be the five seed. So we'll probably be playing the, if I had to guess, probably AFC South winner, either Tennessee or the Colts. And, hey, we beat both of them already. So, you know, we beat their entire uh, division. And it really doesn't matter who we're going to play. I think we're going to go into the playoffs. Uh, People are going to be doubting us. I mean, the Browns being in the playoffs. And anything can happen. I mean, everyone's record is 0-0 when you go to the playoffs. So, uh, as long as we can stay healthy, you know, our line has shown to be one of the best lines in the league. You know, I know on the last podcast I was on, you know, I was talking about how, you know, we really formidified the line. Uh, you know, our tackles, you know, Joel Batonio coming back. I mean, it just – it's really all started to come together. And all credit goes to Kevin Stefanski for, you know, putting the guys in the right position. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy with what's you know what's been going on, and I think we really just continue it going to Baltimore. I mean, it's it's going to be a really good game, probably one of the games of the year if I if I had to imagine. I agree, and uh, I mean we could we could go all in. I I just want to say this because I'm not I I'm not really going to talk about it that much, and I assume that Jeremy and Connor aren't going to talk about it that much because it's kind of one of those things that is just flat out known. Uh, so I'll just say it right. The Browns are so good at running the ball. They're so good at it. They, they're the best. They're, they might not have as many yards as uh, the Ravens do, but when you take out, like, Lamar Jackson, they do. Like, when you if you mm-hmm. gave Lamar Jackson and you kind of gave some of his attempts or whatever to Baker, then the Browns would have more rushing yards. So the Browns are so, 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 so good at running the ball. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, there's things that they don't do extremely well, or rather there are things that they, the Browns are incomplete at. And one of the, I mean, one of the big things that is incomplete overall is I see two incomplete things so far. One of them is the defense. Um, They seem to be a very bent, don't break type of defense. They give up a lot of yards, but they also, they also take the ball away. They have the fourth most takeaways in the NFL. Um, the only teams that have more takeaways than them are, I have it up right here. The only ones that have are the Pittsburgh Steelers, which everybody knows is an elite defense. The Los Angeles Rams, which people may not know as much, but they are an elite defense. They actually have the best pass, or, I'm sorry, the best yardage defense in the entire league. So two elite defenses. And then the third is Miami. And Miami when it comes to the takeaways, I think it's very similar to the Browns. And I have no other way to kind of quantify it other than I think sometimes they are a benefit of turnover luck a little bit. Um, I mean, they have Miles, they have Miles Garrett, who's a, a nightmare, and he's going to cause turnovers. You have a defensive line that causes turnovers. But when it comes to the secondary, like it's not one, it's not a secondary that I think of right off the bat is like they take the ball away. They get interceptions. Like they are ball hawks. 
but it's working and they're really, really doing it. And that's what I'll say about the defense. Other than that, it's kind of when it comes to yardages, when it comes to points, they're kind of a middle of the road to lower middle of the road defense. And, but it's working in that. And that's, what's beautiful about the Browns is where another years, the Browns, you could say all this about the Browns and then you'd finish it off with, and that's why they're awful. And this way it's like, Hey, you have like the, they're not a complete team. Like I think that there are two complete teams, maybe three complete teams in the NFL, the Steelers, the chiefs, and then I'll put the saints in there. I, I think that they're not quite there yet, but the difference between this Browns team and a lot of other teams in the NFL is the Browns can beat them. Like, I don't think Miami can beat the chiefs. I don't like, but I think the Browns, could maybe win three to four out of 10 against the Chiefs, uh, which is more than I'd say like one out of 10. And the other thing is the polarizing man himself is Baker Mayfield, because you get flashes of awesome from him. I mean, flashes of brilliance from him, but then you also get bad things from him. I'll give you a list. He has, I don't have the exact number, but Baker's got a QBR uh, and the, ahead he's got a better QBR than these quarterbacks one of which is kind of an MVP candidate he's got a better QBR than Matthew Stafford Ben Roethlisberger Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady however he also has out of 33 uh, qualified quarterbacks he is the 30th lowest completion percentage and then on the flip side he doesn't turn the ball over he had they have the ninth fewest turnovers and he has seven interceptions. That he, last year, uh, he turned the ball over a lot. The thing about his, uh, his rookie year that was really good is he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't hurt you. And Baker Mayfield, I think that's his sweet spot, is where he's not Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's inappropriate to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. It's inappropriate to compare him to those top three guys. I think it's, I've said it, I think it's very appropriate to compare him to the level of a Matt Ryan, maybe a Ben Roethlisberger right now, a Matthew Stafford, uh, somewhere around that range, somewhere around 10 to 14, I think it's appropriate to compare him to. And when he doesn't turn the ball over, he's a really good quarterback. I know, Jeremy, you have something. Yeah, you're right. And I think another product of that is not having uh, Beckham to be throwing to, I think, primarily this year, because like you and I were talking about the other day, um, he just seems to force it when he's got to go to Odell. And that's why it seems like the passing game is so much more spread out without him. And it seems like he's more, he's, I, w I don't want to say conservative because he certainly makes tough passes, but he's, he's more selective with the passes that he's got to make. And to me, the biggest thing that I saw at in Nashville last week was the types of touchdowns that he threw for, because he, if you think about the four touchdowns that he threw for, every one of them was showing off a different ability of his. You know, the first one, he, they're in the red zone, and he absolutely puts one through a, through the, you know, through a little slot to Landry in the back of the end zone. He was looking around, he was taking his reads, and he saw Landry, and he fit that right in there. A beautiful pass. Uh, the second one was the trick play, so that doesn't necessarily count. Um, but the third one was an absolute bomb showing off the arm strength to uh, people's Jones. And then the last one was the fade in the back corner uh, to Landry or to Higgins. And so like each one of those touchdowns he had was just showing off a different piece of his game. And I really appreciated that because uh, like you said, like it, he's kind of been, you know, which Baker's going to show up. And um, earlier in the year, you see him missing easy, easy throws in the back of the end zone, th overthrowing fades, underthrowing them. Um, 
And so for him to come out and like not only just have probably the best all around game of his career so far, but showing off different aspects of his game to a T in each of those touchdowns, um, to me, that was really encouraging. Yeah, you know, he really has that big playability. I mean, I know he's the only one in the NFL this year that has thrown for uh, four touchdowns and a half. He's done it twice now. And so that's a pretty impressive stat. I mean, throwing, that's on pace for eight touchdowns. Um, you know, of course, you're not going to continue that. But, I mean, if he can just, you know, for example, like he, if he were able to come out second half against Tennessee and throw one, maybe two touchdowns, I mean, five or six touchdown performance, I mean, that would really, you know, shut up the haters because, you know, a lot of people were saying, like all these analysts were saying, you know, this is the biggest game of your career, Baker Mayfield, going into uh, Nashville because, you know, two eight and three teams both vying for a playoff spot. I mean, I'd say both are probably playoff teams, but, you know, it was a very equally important game to both of us. Um, and he really just took care of business. Uh, you know, first half again, he really just came out and showed why he was number one overall draft pick. And, again, we, we just need to see that consistency more because he really does – and, you know, everyone's human. You're going to miss passes. But, like, some of the passes that he was – like, to Higgins, I know – um, I think it was against Nashville or uh, against Tennessee. He uh, missed like a wide open pass, like one of the first drives. Um, maybe it was the game before. I'm not even sure. But yeah, so Baker Mayfield, though, I think he really showed that he is a franchise quarterback. I mean, you know, you can't be you can't be a bad quarterback and throw four touchdowns and a half twice in the same season. It just doesn't happen. And going back to your point about OBJ, you know, he got hurt and the passing game looks better. I mean. OBJ is a great player, and I don't think he's going to make any team worse by being on their team. But, you know, in Baker Mayfield's case and the Browns' case, you know, when he did go down, I, and immediately after that, he was looking better. I was even saying to Colin, you know, this could be a blessing in disguise. You know, I think that when he does go to OBJ a lot of times, it is forced. You know, there maybe the play call, you know, is calling for him to look that way primarily. And, you know, if there is even a small window, try to get it in there. And he just never seemed to be too comfortable. But now, ever since OBJ has been out, Jarvis Landry has been looking good. You know, all his passes to him are looking good. You know, Ketterell Hodge, our tight ends. You know, so we're spreading the ball around. Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's allowing these people to come out. And otherwise, like Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, if OBJ and Landry are still out there along with their tight ends, you know, they would probably get a combined three targets a game. Now they're probably combining for, you know, six, seven, eight, maybe even close to ten targets a game. And so I really think that Baker Mayfield, when he drops back in the pocket now, he's just seeing the field, he's seeing his players, he's making the right decision versus seeing, you know, what many people still consider to be one of the best or one, one of the best wide receivers in the game line up on the left side. And he probably drops back thinking, okay, well, I, I got to start getting the ball. Especially because OBJ, let's be honest, he's an emotional player. You know, if he's not getting the ball or, you know, he's not happy with the play, whatever it is, you may see him start to pout a little bit on the sidelines and get all pissed. And, you know, you're going to see Baker see that, and he's going to think to himself, like, okay, I got to get the, the guy the ball. And that's just not how we want to run our offense. We should be taking the best look at any even point, not just throwing the ball, you know, a certain way because, you know, maybe he hasn't had a catch so far for the game. And that's why I think, you know, when OBJ came to Cleveland, he had so many games where he had, like, one to three receptions for like 40 yards, just like very, just not good stat lines. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking though that, you know, after the season, I want to see OBJ get healthy. I want to see him come back, but you know, if we look really good in the playoffs and, you know, probably can win it all, but then we make a couple additions and next year is going to be, you know, pretty much more bust. I mean, okay, we're going to get the playoffs under our belt. 
first time since 2002. And next year, though, we, we really – it's going to be a make-or-break year, especially with all the contracts that are going to be coming up. So if OBJ, the first, you know, four, five, six games of the season, the offense is just not looking good, almost maybe how it looked, you know, this year, the first four or five games, you know, maybe we should look to trade him. Um, you know, that, that's, that's going to be down the road still, so I don't want to be talking too early. But um, I just really like the way that Baker's been throwing the ball and spreading around the ball ever since OBJ got hurt. And I think since that week where he got hurt, um, that was one of the first plays of the game where OBJ – so he pretty much played that entire game without OBJ. Ever since then, I think he's got, I want to say, 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he's the third highest QBR since then behind the two leading MVP candidates, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So he's really shown, especially the second half of the year, that, you know, he's, he's a good quarterback. I mean, you know – if you want to go historically, some people may still, he's an average quarterback, but again, I, pro football focus, PFF, they do all their player grades, you know, very analytical and, you know, they're pretty good overall. You know, I, I sent it to you guys, the, the graphic of all the minus uh, Josh Rosen, of course. So the four uh, first round draft picks from 2018, Baker Mayfield is the only one of the four between him, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, and um, who's the last one? Oh, Sam Darnold. Yeah. So they, if you uh, match up all of them, their PFF grades since coming into the league, so three years, he's the only one over 80. I think he's like 82.4 or something. And then even with Lamar Jackson's MVP year, unanimous MVP year, his overall PFF grade is like 78. So he's got probably a four-ish point advantage over him, which is half a letter grade. I mean, that's and, – and he's – once again, he's trending up right now. Um, and even with the pitiful year uh, last year, you know, he was still able to – you know, keep those numbers up. So B Baker really has shown that he's our, our franchise quarterback and barring anything catastrophic over the next year or two, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a long-term commitment for us. That's all right. Well, I was going to say like with that completion note, um, you're right. If it, if it, if it does come out to three completions a game, then as long as those, as long as those incompletions aren't egregious misses or turnovers, then then we'll take it. Like, for example, like if you're going to say three completions a game, one of them was a beautiful pass to Peoples-Jones last week that he dropped. And so if you're going to take those three incompletions per game, if he's not forcing the ball into places, which he's definitely shown that he's not, and they're not turnovers and they're not, you know, misses that would have been touchdowns that are just really, really bad, um, then if that's where that those extra percentage points are are dropping him down, then – then we'll take that. I'd rather take a smart uh, quarterback that can rely on his run game as much as he can. Um, I'd rather take a smart quarterback that misses a couple extra passes a game than somebody who's forcing the ball. And, and um, he might have a higher completion percentage, but when he's missing, he's turning the ball over. I, I completely agree. And I think you made some great points about Baker and OBJ. And there's, there's a lot of points to be made with there. I, I can't, again, like I, I can't think of the correct words. I can't really, explain it because it's a bunch of intangible things that make Baker Baker so good and one of them is uh and it deals with the relationship with OBJ because if you took OBJ in a vacuum and you took his talent you want him on every team however he's not he doesn't come in a vacuum he comes with being OBJ and he comes with being kind of loud and emotional and all of this and with that 
Baker plays really well as a play action quarterback, a game managing play action quarterback. It's inappropriate to compare him to a Rodgers or Mahomes. It's just inappropriate. He's not one of those guys. And asking him to be one of those guys, then no, Baker's not going to be in like really, really good because he's, he can't, that's not what his style is. His style is I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so precise when I beat you and I'm going to beat you. And that's what he plays well. And OBJ can clog the offense up a little bit because OBJ doesn't fit the scheme. The scheme with that the Browns have, again, play action is I'm going to run the ball down your throat. I'm going to run it so well. And then I'm going to beat you with play action and intermediate throws. Um, Baker is such an emotional player. I mean, I don't know many other quarterbacks. I, I, when Chubb had that run in the second half against the Titans where, you know, he goes in and then he cuts it back out and Baker's running full speed down, right, like stride for stride right next to him. There's not many other quarterbacks that'll do that. Like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys don't have that energy about them. Baker does have that energy about him. And that's what makes it so good. So when he's able to you know, exude all that energy. And obviously the guys around him really respond well to it. I know Jarvis responds well to it. Nick Chubb, they, they, um, they respond well to it. OBJ didn't. OBJ, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I think OBJ is a bit of an energy vampire. I mean, I think that's what he is. He requires to be the center of attention. And he, he is a really good player. But I, this in, in the, and it comes back down to the argument, I think that we had, uh, in the beginning of this season, when it was brought up as who has better weapons, the Browns, offensive weapons, the Browns or the Chiefs. And I said it was the Browns. And I said it was the Browns for one specific reason is because I don't think that there's ever been a set of weapons that has fit a quarterback better in the NFL history than the Chiefs. That set of weapons that he has fits Patrick Mahomes' scheme so well. And that's what this game is. Now that we've gone through the revolution of the passing revolution, it's going to come back down to X's and O's. And it's going to come back down to coaching. It's going to come back down to scheme. All right. If you put Patrick Mahomes on the Browns, he's not as successful. I mean, because the scheme doesn't work. So last year, when you asked Baker Mayfield to be a spread it out, pass it a bunch guy, that's just not what, that's not setting him up for success. When Baker has been successful this year, it's been through the play action. It's been giving him time. I mean, he, now that he has time, he is the, as far as like quarterbacks that have regularly played, he's been sacked the seventh least. That's what Baker Mayfield always needed. He's an emotional player. He gets people to work up. He gets people, he gets the people going. O, I mean, OBJ, if you gave him Jarvis Landry's uh, like emotional, like maturity, OBJ it would fit beautifully on this team because he's immensely talented unfortunately he he's not a scheme fit that stinks you, you know what you you tried it out right and <clears throat> you know I know OBJ he just did a uh interview not too long ago and he was saying how you know I just want to win but you know what you know if I, if I walk out of the game you know with you know one catch something like that you know no, no touchdowns you know am I going to be happy I'm going to be happy we won, but I'm not going to be fucking happy. That's like what his quote was, something along those lines. And so pretty much that's saying like, and uh, you know, if you're an NFL receiver, if you get zero catches a game or one catch, like of course you're not going to be ecstatic, but really it should be at the end of the day, you're, you're ecstatic about winning. And I think that people like Rashard Higgins who took less money to stay in Cleveland, knowing that he's going to be behind OBJ and Jarvis, you know, you need guys like him. You need guys like Jarvis, obviously, you need, you need guys that are really going to be, uh, 
it doesn't it doesn't matter what they got to do as long as they're gonna be winning they can block in they can get one catch they can get zero catches they can only be seeing maybe 10 snaps the entire game but obj you know again i think if he's not getting the ball you know he's probably on the sideline and i could be wrong but i mean from you know what what i've seen on tv and you know reports and everything he, he just like you said it kind of energy vampire you know everyone everyone might be jumping up and down ecstatic you know maybe we get a turnover and it's like do you think he's gonna be one of those guys right away to be jump up and down and it's like I don't think so. Maybe if he's going off against, you know, like Dallas, maybe he's going to be all into it and, you know, all smiles and stuff. But if he's – if someone else is fulfilling that role for that game and, you know, he's taking a back seat, then, you know, I really don't think he's going to be all that happy. And like you said, and being one guy that, you know, people are supposed to be looking up to, one of the highest paid players on the team, you know, everyone knows how good he is, especially in practice. I'm sure he shows out all the time. It's like people are supposed to look up to him. And when you got a guy like that that, you know, has those negative, you know, lapses, you could say, that's just not good, but that that's why I'm glad that our you know our, really our true leaders are Miles Garrett. You know, love his attitude, love his team first mentality. Baker, Jarvis, I mean, you know, Nick Chubb is probably going to be a captain next year. You know, they didn't do captains this year, but like everyone knows who like the true leaders are of the team. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and I hate to just rip on OBJ. You know, this you know he's a great player, and you know he does what he does, and you can't change who you are. But you know, it, it's it's the unfortunate reality. Yeah, and, and then it I, matter. I think. Because I'll say, in a way, one of the most, if not potentially the most important player on the team is Jarvis Landry. Because I think about Jarvis Landry and I think about OBJ. They're best friends. They love each other. But when I think of Jarvis Landry, I think of intermediate catches, getting the job done, and blocking. I don't think of OBJ ever blocking. And when you, like we've established, they are one of the best teams at running the ball I've seen in a long time. And yet one of their best receivers, I kind of, in my head, I'm like, no, he doesn't block. That can't happen. You need, like, I keep thinking, like, if you could trade, you know, obviously this would never, never, ever, it couldn't literally happen. If you could trade OBJ for Heinz Ward, I think that this is one of the greatest offenses of all time. I just think that's how well the scheme works. I think that that scheme, if you had Heinz Ward instead of OBJ, it fits Baker just as well as Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, like every fastest human being on earth fits Patrick Mahomes. Completely different scheme, but it's all about the fit. And, you know, you have guys, I, th- I think he's out. I, Connor, you correct me if I'm wrong, but another one of the most important players on this team, if not, again, if not the most important, is Wyatt Teller, a guard. He's so good. He's so good. And he gets everybody the motor running. He allows the running game to be set up. And by getting that, then he allows to be able to pass block for the play action. He gets to allow crossing routes over the middle where you can get these guys in open open space. This Browns team can go so far with the offense. The defense is definitely in work. I think outside of the front four, you need a lot of work. And outside of Denzel Ward in the front four, the team – Ben don't, I don't, I, I've never been a fan of a Ben don't break. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, very average at best. I mean, you know, w- w- like you said, we, we've been kind of lucky with takeaways. I think we're doing a good job playing complimentary football this year. We're getting takeaways. We're able to chew up clock and get a score, even if it's just a, a field goal. That's another thing. Cody Parkey, you know, shout out to him. I was very skeptical of double doink coming in that he's been money. He's been absolute money right down the middle almost every single time. I mean, I don't even know. He might have, like, one missed field goal this year, maybe, and it was probably, like, windy from, like, 50 yards or something like that. 
So th that is huge. And so our special teams, we're doing a great job of. You know, our turn game is pretty decent right now. It's usually either Dom Peoples-Jones. He, he's pretty solid back there. Um, but, or it's JoJo Natson, I think. Yeah, he, uh, he Ray Ray McLeod and JoJo Natson. He plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but really, yeah, just our, our defense is very – and we have injuries. I mean, we're supposed to have Grant Delpit, you know, great safety. You know, our linebacking cores. I'm big on Mac Wilson. Sion Takitaki, I'm a fan of too. Um, but definitely inexperienced outside of um, – Malcolm Smith, and, you know, he's been doing pretty good. But overall, I mean, it all starts at the line of scrimmage. you got to control line of scrimmage. The run game, passing game, that's where it all starts. And I think I was saying in the last podcast, too, like, we came in, we formidified the line, and it just all makes sense because starting from left to right, you know, we got Jedrick Wills, who the first time since, I believe, like 2005 or six, something like that, he was named Rookie of the Week. First time that Rookie of the Week – was a lineman because he's just and he's also the highest grade rookie lineman more so than Mecky Becton uh Andrew Thomas you know all those other guys even Tristan Wirfs um so we've got the best rookie left tackle and like you really not a single time this year where we've, I mean we haven't gone up against you know really really good pass rushes but there's never been a time where like he's just been letting up you know sacks or not doing his job running the, you know on the run game so he's been extremely solid he's gonna be a great player then you have Joel Batonio, who I, last time I checked, he was number one vote getter for guards in the AFC. So you got the best rookie left tackle, left guard, you have the number one vote getter. J.C. Treader, our center, who's very solid, is the president of the NFLPA. In other words, he's very respected. He's smart. I mean, he's going to be doing his job. He's strong. I mean, he's, he's a great interior uh, offensive lineman. And then you have Wyatt Teller, like you said, possibly our MVP of our team this year. His pro football focus is so much higher than anyone else's in their respective positions. I think for the year, that means every single game consistently, I think his average is like a 96 and a half or something like that. He's like pretty much, he's pancaking people. He's, he's almost playing perfect right guard. And the right tackle, I also think is the number one, number two highest rated tackle right now, Jack Conklin. And they're both so good probably because they work so good together. You know, they're making each other's jobs easier and therefore they're getting higher PFF grades. So our line, you could say our worst lineman when healthy is our left tackle or maybe our center, but they're both really good. So, our, and, and that's also why our running game is so good. You, you couple the best line in the NFL, in my opinion, best offensive line with possibly the best one-two combo in NFL history as far as running backs go. I mean, you throw Kareem Hunt on any other team you know, he's probably going to be the workhorse for 20 teams. And on the other teams, he's still probably going to be getting majority of the touches, unless you go to, like, you know, Minnesota or something like that. But even then, like, you have to use him. He's too good not to use. Nick Chubb, I mean, he's got probably the best combination of balance, power, speed, vision. I mean, he's just so good. And he's so smooth when he runs, so fast. Like, he, he can outrun DBs. Um, you know, he'll run through – he can run through linebacker. I mean, it's, it's just absurd. And so – it just, again, it's really all coming together offensively, too. You know, especially the first half of the year, you could make the argument very much so that our biggest liability or question mark was Baker, quarterback. And now he's starting to really answer the call. He's playing well and not turning the ball over. He's hitting the throws. I mean, now that he – if he can just play at a slightly above-average level consistently, we're going to win games because our defense is doing their job. And the times that our defense gives up a decent amount of points, our offense has done their job and put up even more. So 
Yeah, and really, again, it all, it all comes down to scheme. It all comes down to coaching. I mean, you can see I mean, we had many of the same players last year, and we just look like a completely different team. And everyone talks about the culture change, the leadership. That's, that's all just a slap right to Freddie Kitchen's face. He, he was just so bad. You know, no one respected him. I mean, he'd, he would script 10 to 15 plays at the beginning of every game, and then he would just call almost like a 12-year-old Madden, just eh, whatever kind of you feel like. It, there's no rhyme or reason to anything. You think that these other offensive coordinators in the league are just randomly calling play calls? Like, no, like they, they're consulting with, you know, it, maybe if they're, not, if they're the head coach calling the plays, you know, they're in close contact with their offensive coordinator, you know, whatever the case may be. But Freddie Kitchens was just so bad last year. And now there's a rhyme and reason when we're, you know, we're successfully putting together these drives. You know, we're, we're pounding the rock. I mean, there have been times where we run the ball like six straight times and then we do play action and it works. And, you know, it could be third and long. We're not just doing like screens like we would be last year. I mean, it's just, everything is just looking a lot better this year. And, and I'm, I'm very happy I'm able to uh, witness it. And you know, hopefully we can keep it going into Monday. But I'm fully confident that we're going to come in and it's going to be one of the best games of the year. Um, you know, it, really the thing is we, we just cannot give Lamar Jackson space. Like we almost have a, we have to have a QB spy almost every single play because you saw him against Dallas and he ran like that one long touchdown run. How do you on, I forget, it might've been like third and what may know it was fourth down. It was like fourth and one or fourth and two. And he told the offense to, or the special team to stay down on the sideline. And he did a play. It's like, okay, fourth and one, what are they going to run? What are they going to run? What are the Patriots going to run with Cam Newton? They're going to do a read option more than likely. And guess what? The QB is probably going to hold on to it. And you just let that man run right at the middle, untouched, no one even within five yards of him. So we, we just have to really contain him. If we can limit his rushing yards, like 30 to 50 yards, um, you know, I, I really think that we can beat him. Because if we force him to, to pass the ball, he has not been looking like a great passer this year. You know, last year, he, you know, everyone was saying, oh, you know, make him beat you with, with his arm. And he did that a lot of times, but not so much this year. Um, so we really just got to contain him. And offensively, we just need to just stick it to him. I mean, if, if we just keep pounding the run, they're not going to be able to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You know, we just really got away from our game plan uh, week one because, you know, just a couple bad breaks. And next thing you know, we're down by like two, three scores. And it complete, completely changes up the game plan because our games are typically quick because we just run the clock down so fast by just pounding the rock. And when we forced Baker Mayfield, in really his first live game, I mean, everyone's, you know, everyone came into the season, you know, without any sort of preseason games or anything like that. So it's going to be rusty for some more people. But he just did not look good, and we forced him to pass the ball a ton. So that's why we got our shit kicked in. So I think that even if we get down, we're still going to be trusting our identity. We're going to be running the ball. We're going to be utilizing play action. But now we're at a point where, you know, first half of the season, everyone's saying, okay, you, you don't want Baker Mayfield to throw more than 25 times. Now we're at a point where if he throws 30, 35 times, like, we're probably still going to be good. I don't want him throwing more than, like, yeah, 35. But, you know, right in, like, that 30 range, um, you know, he's shown that he can make the throws and he's being careful with the football. I think I saw another stat today that in the red zone, when he's targeting um, the end zone, so, like, when he's lo looking for a receiver, like, either probably, I guess, within the five-yard line or actually in the end zone, uh, he's 17 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So that's showing, and even though he may have a back completion percentage, it's not that much lower than, you know, the rest of the league. Everyone's going to be between, like, 62 and, like, 70. So that's really, you know, it's like what? So we're talking a matter of, you know, three more completions a game. That doesn't mean anything, you know, game to game. I mean, you know, and 
I would much rather take those three more incompletions and have our incredible running game of turnovers that we have. Yeah, and you have Nick Chubb. Again, Nick Chubb, just to sort of wrap my head, because I just looked it up and I was shocked by it, and I just then looked up something else. He's Nick Chubb's averaging six yards per carry. There, from what I'm seeing, there are three people that have ever done that. OJ Simpson, Barry Sanders, and Jim Brown are the only people to average six yards per carry in a season. Those are three of the greatest runners of all time. And Nick Chubb missed a few games so that people are going to want to put, you know, whatever, asterisks, whatever. Exactly. You're averaging six yards per carry. Baker Mayfield is averaging 7.4 yards per attempt, which is solid. It's very good. But right where we kind of rank him as sort of a QB, like middle of the road, that's good. You Like you just said, you take away a completion. It's because we ran it to Nick Chubb for six yards. Running the ball for six yards will decimate any team. I mean, decimate them. No, you cannot stop it. I'm looking back at the box score because you said, you know, week one, week one, the Browns got hit in the mouth real quick and they just didn't recover. And I can pinpoint when it was. The Browns pinned them at their one yard line. And then the Ravens went on a 10 play 99 yard drive that spans six minutes. That is so demoralizing. It, it tires out your defense. Oh yes. It, it demoralizes your defense. That is a backbreaking drive. And those are the types of drives that the Browns have been having over these last five weeks. They run the ball. They beat you down. Baker Mayfield will do play action. He'll hit a guy over the middle. He gets the linebackers guessing what's going to happen. And that's where they kill you. And that's where the Browns can come in. The Browns aren't going to like slit your throat and kill you right away. But what they're going to do is they're going to club you to death. And that's the type of Browns that not only the city can identify with and the city loves, but that's what like that's what the Browns are. When the Browns are good, they're hard-nosed, they beat the crap out of you. And, and you know, they might not have the sexiest football, but you know what? Like they're gonna you're gonna be beaten up more than any other team in the entire league.